Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, a show where we talk about tabletop games and gaming topics of all kinds. This week, we're talking about game loops. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. Chris says the game loop is the portion of the game that you do over and over. So sure, game loops. Or we could just call them turns. Anyway, what makes them interesting instead of repetitive? Does every game have a loop? Can there be multiple loops in a game? And why are we talking about this again? Because I want to. But first, we're going to thank our Patreon <laughs> friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Sahara Wentworth, The Gift of Games in Grays Lake, and our newest friend of the show, Listener Doug. Yes, Listener Doug. His first name is Listener. Last name, Doug. Or last name's li- Listener? And it's comma? I don't know. But whoever it is, he listens, and his name is Doug. Doug, welcome, and thank you. Um, I'll have more to say about Doug and Keyforge in the middle of the show, I think, because Keyforge is the reason we're talking about this. Oh, that's this Doug? But... That's that Doug, yeah. Oh, not Doug, really? not our Doug, not our Doug. This Doug different, played our different Doug. Keyforge Doug. Different Keyforge Doug. There's two Keyforge Dugs. That's was too playing, many Dugs. Yes. So I was sitting next to our Doug and this is great other Keyforge Doug at a vault tour. No, this is important. And so, and they were the only Dugs. And which Doug was, is it? <laughs> so I was talking to Doug, and then Doug's like, wait a minute, are you from Tabletop Game Talk? Because sometimes people recognize their voice. And so, yeah. It's happened and then we, twice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we bumped into each other virtually uh, recently. So How do you do that? Yeah. You hide um, laptops? We were, we were on, yeah, we were on laptops, and we just, you know, we're carrying them around, staring at our laptops, and they bumped into each other. That's not virtual, though. That'd be physically well in a virtual world. And yes, I'll mess up in ears. Anyway, um, thanks to all our other patrons as well. Thanks for everyone for tolerating our shenanigans. Um, if you want to be part of our live audience, you should join us on Zoom. We didn't have a whole long pre-show this time because Fletcher, but... He has a job, like a he chump. Has a job, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we record on Monday nights, 8.30 Central Time. And normally don't start recording till like nine, get done a little after 10. Fletcher texts us earlier to just like, um, are we recording tonight? I'm like, Fletcher, it's Monday. Yes. And he's like, oh, I have to be done by 10. I'm like, fine. We'll start when we're supposed to start. So that's what we're doing. Well, also, you usually send out the show notes like around like two o'clock in the afternoon. And it was about five. And I was like, hmm. No show so the reason yet. he didn't is because he came over to my house yesterday and already told me, and he forgot that we don't have a hive mind and that you oh, don't just yes. <laughs> osmose the information from that having told me the information. Yeah. yeah. That's basically exactly what happened. And I'm like, oh, right, I need to write these show notes. Oh, I should probably tell Fletcher. No, Fletcher's pretty reliable, except when he's not. So he's probably fine. So, yeah, that's... that's only part of Monday. Man, we have a lot to talk about. Um, join our Discord and our BGA group and Next Station London. Kitty, how are you doing in our Next Station London tournament? I hear I you're just slightly it. above where Fletcher <laughs> is and he's not in it. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's round three. I'm I'm actually feeling pretty good about my current chances. Um but yeah, no, I, I'm noticing you're not doing as good. But I will say the competition is fierce. Like the competition is fierce, and I had I I think there was one game where I was playing in like a bunch of Next Station London games, and I didn't realize that one of them was my tournament game. And just <laughs> one like, was more important. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also get really panicked by the timers. 
Um, so yeah, the I just don't think I do well in tournament play. I don't like it. <laughs> the timers I made them to be pretty long. I mean, I. But I needed to have some kind of timeout on the game. So that was why there's a timer. And the timer, for those who are listening. And it's not like it's, I'm not running. I mean, I did run out of time in one game. But, like, no one's going to kick anyone. We didn't run out of, like, game time. I just ran out of thinking time, which is not what it should be called. And my watch is making noise. And now Chris (laughs) can't edit it out because not that he would have. No, but I was I talking wouldn't. at the same time. <laughs> but for those who are concerned, <clears throat> the games are timed to be completed within one week of start. And the times Which are should divided. should not be putting pressure on people. It's plenty <laughs> of time. And yet I see a countdown and my like lizard brain is like, uh-oh. <laughs> yep. So, no, it, yeah. It's, it's he just doesn't want to repeat of Blood I Rage think. where it took like a month and a half. Um, I think that game. was... I think it was two and a half months, but it's actually kind of a throwback to our very first tournament where we had set the times to 30 days so that, you know, it essentially wouldn't time anyone out. Uh, The problem is if somebody just doesn't take turns, there's nothing you can really do because they're not expired. They have all the thinking time. They have a week of thinking time and they haven't used it. So anyway, that was just a way of saying, okay, let's put a limit on how long the games can actually last because it's more fun to play more games. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, our TGG shirts are in. They came in on Saturday for me. And that was just before I spontaneously drove to Wisconsin. Kind of spontaneous. Yes. Um, eh, so I dropped off your shirts too. Semi-planned. <laughs> yep. And so now, Fletcher, I have a shirt for you. And I have a, a mug. A very dust-covered mug for you. <laughs> so so wait why did you go visit kitty um well i didn't want to okay nobody wants to no one yeah. ever wants to come here <laughs> so but it was it actually became a very uh, it was a it was a fun story so <laughs> sydney decided that she wanted to go to kansas city to play Keyforge because they were doing like the wrong a way event yeah well exactly <laughs> so I heard everything's up to date there <laughs> everything's up to date it's so she was looking at tickets, and to fly down there wasn't too bad. A little over 100 bucks to fly down there. But to fly back was like $300, just that one direction. And she had some friends that were driving down and driving back, which is like an eight and a half hour drive. So that was like, she's like, yeah, no, I'm not going to sit in a van for eight hours on a Thursday. So I'm just going to fly down Friday morning. But Sunday, I don't have a problem sitting in a van and driving back. Um Mostly, I said, no, you shouldn't sit in a van for eight hours on a Thursday because you're not you're going to try to work and you're not going to get any work done. So don't even pretend. Uh, so that's where the flight came in. But the van was not driving anywhere near our house. It was driving up the west side of Illinois, going through a little town called Beloit on its way to Madison. And I happen to know someone who lives in Beloit. So I'm like, oh, this could work. They could just drop you off at Kitty and Spencer's house, and then I can come pick you up. So that's what we did. I packed up the kids on Sunday, and we went to Beloit. And as I got there, we were watching the end of the Cubs game. Not Cubs game. Bears game. Mm-hmm. Um, well, <laughs> I'm picturing it in my head, and the Bears have a, a big C as their logo. So I'm just like... Uh, Anyway, but um, yeah, so we watched that and then we watched a Chicago sports team lose, you know, yes, could could be anything. (laughs) It could be any of them. (laughs) Um, But then Spencer's like, hey, we need to move a radiator from one room to the adjacent room. And I'm like, 
okay. And I think most people know what a radiator looks like, right? You've been in an apartment, you have a radiator. They're about, you know, maybe three feet long. And they're, they're yeah, it's, yeah. So we go upstairs and I look <laughs> at the. <Great> <laughs> <laughs> you know what a radio, t- radiator looks like? It's about three feet long. Yeah. yeah. Radiator. <laughs> yep. This yeah, one's yeah, 10, Chris is- 10 feet <laughs> long. And that's not an exaggeration. No, it's, it's 10, 10 feet, feet long. long. It's huge. Oh my God. They're it, short though, because they we have huge windows and they go under the windows, so they're very short. But they're, they're very still about long. two and a half. It says about two and a half feet tall, about a little over a foot deep, and about ten feet long. Mm-hmm. It weighs like there's no way that we can actually know for sure, what, what, but it must weigh like five hundred pounds. Um, the radiator company that we paid to move this thing. Got it approximately a foot and a half on their thousand pound rated dolly before they cracked the dolly. Um, and they had three of so, them. And they had three of them. They only managed to get two of them under the thing, though. Yeah. But um, both of which are broken. The so, other yeah. one's not broken. It just, it sounded like it broke. It was just bending. Uh, I, I think it is in my house. I can. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a mess. So, but it yeah. was wild. So it took four carjacks and four adults and four adults to move this thing approximately six feet yeah. so that I we mean, could was, refinish our floor it was 20 <laughs> feet it was from one room to the other but there was like a half inch threshold that we had to get it over mm-hmm. so you couldn't just put it on on wheels because you still had to like lift it over that threshold and yeah <laughs> and the four of us there was no way we couldn't even lift one side of it with all four of us lifting at the same time. Before we started oh recording, Steve asked, you know, it's like, because we were joking about moving a car. Steve asked, like, oh, were you actually moving a car? I've actually moved this a car. This is worse. I, in, in college, <laughs> the car has and like yes. eight of my fraternity brothers, we lifted up a car and moved it so that it was parked Austin Power style between two cement walls. It was, it was college. But um, yep. yeah, that was lighter than this radiator. It was... yeah. Yeah. So, and then it has to go back after your floors get finished because they're not throwing yes. the radiator out. They're just moving it so they can redo the floors. Yes. Well, <sighs> they they refinished the floor. They started today. It's sanded and has its um, first coat on it. It's looking so nice. Totally worth yeah. it. But yeah, then we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Sydney showed up. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings. We had four kids. Three of them were running around the restaurant, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, th- we're those people." Um, mm-hmm. But they, they were just ran back and forth <laughs> down the hallway by the bathroom. And yeah. We were like, "Okay," <laughs> but they were being adorable, and Zachary was just sitting on his iPad and doing his own thing. Well, the rest of the kids were actually, you know, playing like kids. Um, yeah, so that was that was our weekend. Fletcher, how was your mm-hmm. weekend? Uh, my weekend was good. So um, Carmen's aunt and mom came to visit they're actually here now um and they're leaving they're leaving tomorrow but uh, they ca- they came for just a short weekend visit and uh yesterday we went apple picking we went uh, out to an apple orchard and uh had a good time and then we've just been you know chatting and going out to dinner and making food and all that kind of fun stuff visiting the family you're not making them move a radiator no we're not making them move a radiator <laughs> I mean, I mean, do you even have house guests if you're not making them move a thousand pound radiator? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't make them move right. the uh, your the treadmill you gave me. Can you pick that up and move that over here, please? <laughs> yeah, a little to the left, a little to the right. At least that has uh, wheels. 
Yeah. This was yeah. much worse than the radiator. <laughs> Chris was involved in both. <laughs> yeah. No. Also, oh yeah, Zachary and Becca started daycare today. And speaking of cute things, is moving to the left, moving to the right. Zach, I was, I don't know what it was, but I was lifting something heavy. And Zachary's like, I think you should move it a little bit more to the left. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> so he had his first day of daycare today. So we asked him Future how Future manager. Like, <laughs> exactly. And he's like, oh, we had, I ate a, some of us, or I ate a special cookie. I'm like, oh, what was it for? And was it for someone's birthday? He's like, yeah. I'm like, so we asked like, oh, what was the pr- name of the person whose birthday it was? And he's like, I don't know. His, I don't know his name because he wasn't me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> Future manager. Yep. I don't know his name because he's not me. He's going to be awesome. Um, so anyway, yeah, that is... It's, it's been an all right Monday. I'm. It was a good weekend. It was a good Monday. It was um, all's good. I built back a dresser and yeah. So let's talk about something game related, shall we? This is gets to the boring part of the podcast. For those who are not interested in game related materials, you can tune out now. Um, but um, yeah, games and game loops. Fletcher, I mentioned game loops about I don't know. 14 seconds after you misrecorded the first um, intro and we actually started over because you pressed stop. But um, what's a game loop? Well, I would say game loop is like the main game. I don't, I don't want to say the main game mechanic, but it, it, it's, it's like, it's like the main, I guess it's like your turn, right? It's like, what, what do you do on your turn? It's like, you have some decisions to make and that is like the game. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I know what it is. <laughs> it's like the fun loop. Like you should, the fun you loop. should be doing something. It doesn't it have be to fun. be, but hopefully it is. All right, Kitty. Well, what's a game? It's loop? not a very good game if it's not fun. <laughs> um, a then game it's just loop a task. Is <laughs> this game is called the... Taskmaster? <laughs> a game loop is the meat inside of a game sandwich. <laughs> okay. What's the bread? <laughs> the bread is set up. And is the theme <laughs> <laughs> the the one bread is set up and the other bread is end game scoring yeah and then you can have some condiments in there you know to add some theme but really it doesn't matter but sometimes you only care about the condiments and this is going off the rails really fast so i'm going to quote someone else's definition of the game loop um because you guys aren't wrong their definition was the core loop is essentially the very heartbeat of your game There's a series or chain of actions that is repeated over and over as the primary flow of your player's experience. It's the core essence of why we return to play games over and over again. Um, So, yeah. You said that. um, This was, I sourced this from risinghighacademy.com. And you can say, what is, this is the article is, what is a core loop in a mobile game? So, it's specifically talking about mobile games here. But game loops exist in any game, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. can be sports, can be board games, card games, uh, video games, mobile games, whatever. Every game has a game loop, or you would have a hard time finding the game in it. I mean, even tic tac toe has a game loop, right? It's make a forced choice, let your opponent make a forced choice, then you make a forced choice, repeat. But there's still a game loop there. Yeah, and then it, otherwise, it's not. I don't know. I guess if it doesn't have a game loop, it could be like more of like a sandbox. Kind of a yes. thing, right? It's kind of the difference. Like if you're in a sa- if you're playing literally in a literal sandbox, you're not really playing a game. You're yeah. just playing. You're just playing. 
Right. Where tag, for example, to take it to the schoolyard again, a game loop could be one instance of someone being it. And that's your game loop. Oop, and then the next person's it. And there's a new game loop that starts. Um. So, yeah. So, I found last week we talked about playtesting. And... So this is just kind of at the top of my mind right now. It's like every once in a while I get into games and how they work and designs and, you know, thinking about stuff in a different way. And so I was thinking about things like Railroad Inc. and Keyforge uh, and Azul and other other games. Like these games have tight game loops. Railroad Inc. We've played many, 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 many games of this. Azul. We've played, I've played a lot less of them, but, you know, Terrence, I know, has played about, I don't know, a thousand of these games. I think you can look on BGA and he's played a lot of them. What is it about those games that are, that keep you coming back? Why play, you know, pick the Starburst a hundred times? Pick the Starburst? (laughs) (laughs) Choose the coaster, get the best Choose the coaster, that's the Starburst. Yeah. Like, why do we do that? Um, I mean, obviously, I mean, the simple answer is because it's fun, right? But it's a particular kind of fun that you're having, uh, you know, in Azul, I guess it, it's, it's a simple rule set and it is, you know, I don't want to say it's like a certain kind of fun, but like it is, it, it has a simple, it's a certain rule set, a simple, certain, certain kind of fun that you can enjoy. And, and for Azul, the game loop is, is very simple and very straightforward. Um, but it also not. feels different every time. It's it's simple. It's straightforward. But yeah, but the, different. The the different the setup. It's different enough that you don't feel like I'm just doing a repetitive task over and over again. You have variety within the familiarity of the task, and I think that those are the games that really um, are my favorite kinds of games. Are games that have a really strong, simple loop. But there's a lot of variety of choice given by that really simple set of rules. Things like Azul, Next Station, Railroad Inc., things like that. The The loop is so simple. It's always going to be you roll the dice, you draw the card, you pick up the pieces, but then it's what do you do with them turns into more of a puzzle. And the, the puzzly aspect that you get to play with on your own is really fun to me. But I don't have to think that hard about what choice am I going to make within this context of the loop. Because things like Viticulture or Wingspan, even, I have been playing too much Wingspan because I didn't experiment and it was not good. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not that difficult a game loop, but it starts instead of like, here's your one thing you do. Now there's the variety of choices. It's, oh, you have a variety of choices and then you're going to do one thing with your variety of choices. I'm like, I can't make a choice at the beginning of a turn. That's hard. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do that. (laughs) Nobody's rolled any dice yet. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's why Rollin' Rights have become so popular lately is because they do have that very simple but addictive game loop. And... Mm -hmm. You see this in, um, you know, like I said, this this particular definition came from what's the core loop in a mobile game. Uh, so you can kind of think of, you know, something as, as simple as Candy Crush, where the game, game loop is, you know, match three or more. And each time you go through that, you're trying to do, you're trying to do the best you can. And that is a way of 
<laughs> so I, I did mention before the show that we I had a little boy sitting upstairs and he was <laughs> hanging out with his mom who was sleeping on the couch. And I said, you can play games for as long as you want, as long as you don't wake mommy up. And is mommy asleep still? You can say words. Is mommy asleep? Uh-huh. <laughs> can you say hi, everybody? <laughs> that's very quiet, but that's still cute. Um, all right. Go upstairs and wake up mommy. You have my permission to go wake up mommy, okay? All right. <laughs> See you later. Well, he technically didn't. He did what you said. Mm-hmm. He did do what I said. I'm actually surprised this is the first time he's uh, come down. And he actually handed me a bunch of ripped up styrofoam. He's like, this ripped up styrofoam, I picked it up off the floor. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's my son. That's Zachary. <laughs> what was I talking about? Game loops, simple, roll and writes. Um, <laughs> they are fun because they are so simple and they are addictive. And like I said, when you're playing something like Candy Crush, you just want to get to the next level. And they have these like little dopamine hits Gotta crush each that time. Candy. Yeah, each time you like get that next thing, you get that next big score, or you make the perfect route, or you know the perfect card comes up, you get this little hit of dopamine, like, yeah, all right, cool. And you want to do that again and again and again. And that's what a good, at least short game loop will do. Longer game loops uh, is a little different, but um, yeah. So what about longer games? Katie, you mentioned Wingspan and Viticulture. Where's the game loop in those? Mm, I mean, both of them kind of go by seasons. So they have, I mean, I don't, there's like, I, I would think the game loop is you have, you know, for viticulture, it's worker placement. So you have from when you place your first worker through the end and then take them all back. That's, I think that would be the loop. <laughs> so... This was, and I set you up um, because um, I do show notes and then you guys sometimes read them, um, but I never assume that you do. But I set you up for this one because what we just talked about was a core loop, a simple repetition, repetition, <laughs> repeated repetition, repetition of, of this loop. But most games are actually made up of many different loops. Um, mm-hmm. And for something like Viticulture or Wingspan, We'd probably say it's made up of a nested loop. You have the round, which is one loop, and then you have the turn, which is another. And on your turn, you're making a small decision, but you're going to keep making that small decision. And every time you make that small decision, it's essentially, all right, it's my turn, I'm making a call, and now what do I do next? You know, but I'm doing it in a larger, um, like framework. I'm trying to, that round is what I'm really trying to say, okay, how do I optimize my turns so I can get to the end of the round in the best way possible? And then the round starts again. And in, in wingspans, there's four round in viticulture, the rounds are indeterminate. Um, but essentially you have the same concept of this nested loop. And I think most games, you know, I, we joked, it's like, well, it's the turn of the game. And it is like for most games, the turn is, the loop is the inner loop. The round is the outer loop, except for those games where they reverse those two terminologies. And then it gets really confusing. (laughs) Um, I'm looking at you, War of the Ring. And these become far more complicated loops and far more complicated games. Now, these are the ones, I mean, I really like the simple games. I like the roll and writes. I obviously will, you know, because you can just, they're, they're fun to play. They're challenging for mine, but I really like 
nested loops games because it allows you you're like you're like playing multiple games at once. Fletcher, what are your thoughts on like do you like the simple or is like that nested loop? Um, um I mean I, I like both, right? Like there's I like uh I don't know. I, I think I, I think I'm more towards nested deeper loops just because I like those kind of games. But I mean I also like playing Azul and that's a very simple loop. So um I don't think I have a preference really. It's just that, you know, if the game appeals to me. Well, and it does definitely vary. So I'll use um I'm looking at my BGA game list here for <laughs> examples of of nested loops. Um Great Western Trail is if you've never played Great Western Trail, I'm assuming most people who are listening haven't, but essentially what you're doing in this game is you're moving your little worker dude forward to the next action space. And you can only go in one direction. So you can only go forward in, and you have to pick something that's within a certain number of steps from where you're at right now. Each aspect of this is going to get you closer and closer and closer to the final destination. Um, so you start at an indetermined city. I actually don't know where, I don't know if there is a city you start at, but you're trying to get to Kansas City. So at the end of each one of these cycles, you're going to go to Kansas City, you drop off your cattle, you sell them, you start over. I'm making the game sound really fun. It is one of the best games of all time. Really, it's awesome. Um, this is what's referred to as a rondel game. Rondels are loops. They're basically one directional um, action selection in in this particular situation. But I wouldn't consider that a game loop. That is a mechanic inside the game. The game loop here is at the beginning of my turn or beginning of my my personal round, because we're not on the same track, right? I can start at the beginning and get to the end at a different pace than someone else does. But in my journey from the beginning to the end, this is one loop. This is one iteration of me trying to optimize my hand, um, you know, pick up new cards, move my train, um, get money, spend money, get new workers. Everything I'm doing in that iteration is going to help me for the greater game. But ultimately, when I get to the end of the trail, that loop is complete, and I'm going to start another loop. The game itself is also is not its own, like, you you can't really call the game is not a loop by itself, unless you say, okay, you play five games in a row, you've played it, you know, that's a different thing. But that is its own thing. Now, the question is, is taking an individual action part of the game loop? And the answer is yes. It's much smaller But that's really what I do. Every time it's my turn, the interesting things are those micro decisions within that larger framework, that larger goal of getting to the end of the track. I can just rush it. I can just say, okay, I'm going to go as far as I can every single time and get to the end of the track. I'm not going to be very good. I'm not going to get, you know, the stuff I need. But I could do that. But that's a decision I get to make inside of every macro loop. I get to make multiple micro loop decisions. And to me, those types of games are the most interesting because you're building on something. You're building towards an, a greater goal. And then I look at my, you know, sometimes we have scores showing live scores and I look at the scores and I'm like, hmm. Um, and then other times we don't have the scores there and it's it adds more tension. You're like, am I doing good? Is this person going to beat me? How's this? I just, I just love them. I love it. I love it. I love it. I don't know if that was a great example. Does that make sense? It made sense yeah. to me, but I've played the game. <laughs> <laughs> I you- don't know about the turn is the loop. I, I don't know if I 
a hundred percent agree with the the micro loop definition because to me a loop is like a set of things that gets repeated and if each time it's different is it really like to say like making the decision is the loop that just i don't know how much of a loop that really is maybe i'm just not getting it yeah well it is true (laughs) um like I said, these things are kind of fuzzy. In general, yes. <laughs> the loop is what you're doing over and over and over. Mm-hmm. So it really just kind of depends on how far you want to zoom in or out of that repetitive yeah. sequence of things. As so well, it, you're I, selecting tiles. Yes. That's the and game the, and, loop. And that's, right. It's really simple to see what you're doing there. Um, maybe another one, uh, Kitty, this is one that you can uh, describe more more better, better than I can, because yeah, um, you've played it a lot more <laughs> than I have. But Pandemic, I think Pandemic has two loops. Okay. So for me, the first loop is a player's turn. What you're going to do on your turn. You're going to, each turn you get four actions, four or two, a number of actions. and Four, four actions. And you're going to decide what you want to do with that. Now, you could also say there's a loop of all players going. Since this is a cooperative game, a loop is all players taking one turn. And then the board takes a turn. And I think that's... Or no, does it go after each player? It goes after each player. Yep, each player, and then the board goes. Then that's the loop. The the loop is the... Whenever... Okay, so as I'm sitting here, I'm knitting, and I'm looking at my knitting pattern. And literally loops. (laughs) And literally loops, but also... In knitting, crochet, a lot of other, you know, like needle crafts, you will come to a part in a pattern where there's a little asterisk and then continues the pattern and then it has a double asterisk. And then after that, it says repeat that part so many times. And I know in computer programming, this happens too, is that there are parentheses and it is do the thing inside the parentheses or brackets, whatever. I know you're both just laughing at me. No, no, no. But it you're is, not totally it's wrong. You're not totally wrong. It's just, it's just funny. Like Kitty explains programming. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, made it. I took a college course in programming. <laughs> I wasn't good at it. I didn't enjoy it, but I took it and I passed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I mean, so you're in, right. in a program, in a pattern, there's a part that is, now do this step again. That's a loop. That is the loop. <laughs> the yep. loop is the part you repeat over and over again. And so, you know, taking your turn is sort of a loop. You know, you have your set of actions depending on the game. But I do think it's like if you're looking at viticulture, the loop is Oh, no, no. We're not... staying on pandemic because pandemic, okay, pandemic is, it is deeper than each you player's, think. Each player's yeah. turn is a loop. Because they take their set of actions, and then the board takes their actions, and then the next player does the same again. Yep. All right. So I'm going to agree with you that that is the inner loop of Pandemic. Now, there might be a fuzzy middle loop of saying, you know, all four players take their turn, but there's nothing really significant about all four players taking their Mm -hmm. turn. But there is one other significant loop in Pandemic, and that's when you hit the Epidemic cards. When you hit an Epidemic, yes. And that is the outer loop to pandemic. That is your brackets, then parentheses. (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Nested loops. Yes. Nested loop. Yep. And the reason why that is such an important loop 
an easy and it's an easy one to um, think about too is that piece there is a core element of the game. How mm-hmm. often you hit that epidemic, planning for it, being ready for it, and when that happens, you start a new phase of, okay, we know what's coming up. We have an idea of what cards are there. Now planning really takes on a new twist. And the next iteration of that game, of that outer loop, becomes more intense than the previous. Because, well, when's that next card going to hit? You know, what cities do we need to focus on? And then that tends to stay, you know, relatively easy for the, easy for the rest of the game. But as the board gets more and more cluttered, and this loop loops more and more times that is really adds that pressure to it. And I think that's probably the best example of a nested game loop I can give to like to simplify it. But that would be where, you know, how I would say that works. Now, when you something like Viticulture, the rounds, like the, the years are kind of an outer loop. But then we just go back to the, like, well, is that one loop where I'm taking a bunch of turns and now I loop again? Or, you know, is this individual decision part of the loop? We don't need to worry about that. There's something that you're constantly doing, though. I do think that each year is a loop for viticulture because if you are if you are writing out the steps of the game, will you save yourself time by creating a bracket around a portion of the game? That is a loop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you bring this up, and because you brought it up, I will throw it out there. Um, for those who don't know, I was a video game developer for about two decades. And when you Google game loop, like if you were to Google, you know, game video game loop or something like that, you are not going to get, at least at the beginning, what we're talking about as far as mm-hmm. a gameplay loop. Maybe that's better a way of searching for it as gameplay loop. You're actually going to get how to write in code your game loop. What is that game loop? Um, if I were writing Viticulture, which I won't, because it's already been written and no one else, I don't need to do it. Um, (laughs) Every turn you take would be a loop because on your turn, you have multiple decisions to make and you're going to make one of those decisions and something's going to happen. But that particular chunk of code is going to be used over and over and over Mm -hmm. for every player, for every worker. At the end of the year, that's going to reset that outer loop. Because there's some cleanup stuff, there's some setup stuff. Um, and then when you're going from uh, spring to winter, or summer to winter, yeah, summer to winter, um, you have the fall stage in the middle, right? So that's kind of one big loop there. But then we still have those tiny little lo- loops in the middle as well. So I bring it up because... But to me, but to me that's not like, I mean, for me, I guess the, uh, I guess the, episode, the title of this episode is game, you know, the game loop. I think about gameplay loop. And to me, the yes. gameplay loop and that is, is, what we're always talking the, is always the inner one, right? Because all the other stuff can just be like board state, right? But it's like the yep. gameplay loop is always the inner loop of like, what are you doing? What is the action you're taking? And all the other stuff can affect that inner loop. But to me, that's like the gameplay loop. Well, let's, let's talk about another fuzzy one that we've all played recently together, the crew. So the crew is a cooperative trick-taking game. And the what we're about to talk about, any game that has hands that you are making decisions within the game. So uh, poker is kind of a different thing. We still need to do a poker episode. But, um, you know, any of the Trump, 
uh, the trick-taking card games could fall into this. But essentially, we're dealt a hand, just so everyone's on the same page of what the crew is. Everyone's dealt a hand, and we're trying to take certain cards in a certain order to simplify the suggestion. And we're all working together to do that. We're just not allowed to talk when we do this. Um, We're going to keep playing... We're gonna. Everyone's gonna play one card into the middle until everyone's played a card in the middle, and then someone's gonna win that trick, and they take all those cards, and that person's the one that leads the next trick. Where are, where is, or are the game loops for the crew, Fletcher? Um. Well, for the crew, you have the initial kind of game loop of: Do I think I can take this trick? Do I think you know? Where you go around and you vote and you say like, Can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? Right. That's like. An, an initial decision that somebody will take whether they pass or push it on to the next person or i mean whether they take the trick or they push it on to the next person uh, or they think they can take the trick and then i guess the the main game loop is the decision of when it's your turn like what what card to play to not to not mess everything up <laughs> <laughs> how do i not bring us all down yeah I know, Kitty, your perspective? So I was thinking that the trick is the loop. And when everyone plays one card, that is, and then we start again with, then everyone plays one card, and then everyone plays one card. <laughs> and So that's I, the inner loop. Yes. This is a, this is a tricky one, um, not necessarily for any reason besides, I think the loop, I think there's two of them. Um, there's, the, there's the trick, everyone plays a card. Um, but I think that Spencer, or Spencer, Spencer's probably right too if he were here. But Fletcher's also right. <laughs> you still have your the individual. computer programmers are more familiar with loops. You say I'm yeah. shocked to hear this. <laughs> there is the there is the piece where that you as a player, as an individual player, the thing that you're repeating over and over and over is choosing what card to play. So obviously that is a loop of some sort. But then as a team, you're all playing one card, and that is a loop of some sort. But to me, the crew's main game loop is actually the entire hand. It's <laughs> it's not which which is why it's fuzzy because it's is also where the I game. Would put the outer loop. Yes, because what you're attempting to do is you know complete a goal. Now the thing is, I said earlier, it, you can't really say that the game itself is a loop. I think card games break that rule. If you play a card game over and over and over and over and over, it becomes its own loop. When we play the crew, especially on Board Game Arena, we can play 50 hands of the crew. And it still, at the end of the game, only gives us a one point for winning once. So <laughs> whoever programmed that game did say, no, 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 no. The, the, the entire hand is its own loop. And a game is made up of a lot of hands of the crew. Um, again, this is more semantics than anything else. But it's kind of interesting to see. You can see those layers. And... For the crew, the every layer is interesting to me. You know, my personal decision really matters because what I do is communicating information to other people. And, you know, whether or not I give up lead or take lead or anything I make in that personal decision is very, very important. But at the same time, that trick really matters to the group because if we the, if it goes to the wrong person, then we lose the entire game. And at the same time, that hand has its own ultimate goal. It doesn't matter how good I am at the individual level or even at the team level. If we don't do it right for the entire hand, we're still going to lose. And that is why 
game loops can be so compelling and so interesting and why the crew is such a great game because it has so many nuances at so many levels that you can't get bored. Like you're constantly engaged with what's going on. And anyone who doesn't like the crew, I I can't talk to you. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a loop, Rude. but I feel like to me again, that's just all kind of like, you know, bored state because you could drop somebody, you could Chris, you could be dropped down in the middle of a half-played hand, right? And then kind of like pick it up from there. Because yeah. you still don't know all the other, like assuming nothing has been revealed that you weren't present for. But like since it's all hidden information, you know you're, you now know these set of cards that you have. And the trick that, you know, either you're trying to take or you're trying to get somebody else to take. Um, and you're going to try to work towards that goal. And... If you can, you can swap that person out. It's just kind of like gain state. Like your action is still, you know, your decision of what card to play. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm, we're going to talk about two other types of games. Um, the first one is going to be Keyforge slash competitive card games and the game loops there. Cause I think that most competitive card games have a meta loop and then they have a while you're playing it. Keyforge basically just has a while well you're playing it. But again, just a high level Keyforge, you buy a deck, the deck is, you know, all together, you can't break it up, it is shuffle it and play, and you play against another deck. The game loop in Keyforge is on my turn, I pick one of three houses. So there's three different suits in every deck. And I'm going to pick one of those and I can use all the cards or play any card from that particular suit. And then I pass and the next person does the same thing. Um, or my usually my opponent, Keyforge, is primarily a two-player game. Um, we keep going back and forth until one of us has gotten enough um, amber, which is the resource in the game, to forge a key. And once we forge three keys, that person wins. The core game loop, though, is essentially I take my turn, I call my house, I play my cards, I pass. And I don't do anything else on my opponent's turn. Missing anything there? Or does that seem reasonable? It sounds reasonable. Now, Keyforge, as we were talking about earlier, is has a very simple game loop. It, it's on par with something like Azul or Railroad Inc. or something, right? The game loop is relatively mm-hmm. easy. There's not a lot of interaction between the players, and you just, you know, you make your decision and you go. Most competitive dueling card games have a lot of interactions between the players while they're taking their turn. So there the game loop gets a little bit fuzzier because now... You know, if I'm playing, I'll use Magic because it's the other one that most people know about. On that one, start of my turn, I draw a card. I can play a land or not. I can play cards or not. I can spend, you know, resources or not to play those cards. I can choose at some point in my turn to attack. Um, So I'm making a lot of decisions on my turn. But at each instance, almost literally, I take my turn. My opponent gets a chance to also do something. And so there, it's hard to say that I have a game loop. My my turn is is a loop, but there's tons and tons of micro loops that can happen and be triggered and branched off of that main loop. And I just happen to be the person in control of that, you know, turn loop. But there's all kinds of other things going on. And that complexity adds to not only, you know, the, the cognitive load of the game, but it also adds a lot of decision points and a lot of extra things. And there's a reason why this game is going on 30 years old 
And still people find new ways to play it and new things come up because there are so many nuances in that core loop that was created in, I want to say 92, 92, 93, way back when. Now, Kitty, I made you play Magic once. Mm-hmm. And you loved it. <laughs> Disagree. <laughs> I did not enjoy it. Well, you've played Pokemon. I correct? did. And mm-hmm. so what is the other loop above the gameplay loop for games like Pokemon <laughs> and Magic and Flesh and Blood and Yu-Gi-Oh! and whatever you can imagine that's not Keyforge? It's building your deck. Yes. You play, you see what your opponent's done, the game has ended, you go home, you rebuild your deck. Then you, you play money. again. <laughs> spend money on it. That's spend part of the more game. more money, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think that that's important too, is like, there's a lot of things we do in games. Um, I Honestly, I think that deck building games where you have to make a deck to play, i.e. Magic, CCGs, TCGs, those type of things. Um a lot of times you spend most of your game looping time just making decks that you may or may not play depending on you know the size of your play group. But that's a legitimate portion of that loop. You have to do it in order to play the game. Even if you're net mm-hmm. decking, you know, grab a list, you're still putting a deck together. It's to play still a step that you are taking to play the game. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Fletcher, this one's to you. D&D. Yeah. You're asking me what the game loop is? Yeah. Or game loops. And why are they fun? So you have. Well, let's start with the let's start with the easiest one. Um, the easiest one, the easiest game loop is combat. Combat has a very well defined set of rules that determines you know who goes first and what actions they can take and then what happens. So there's you know there's that whole game loop of combat. But as we all know, there's a lot of things that you can do outside of combat that isn't as nearly as well defined um getting back to what you're saying about um you know building your deck you kind of also need to at at least initially you know build your character so that's kind of also a game loop because you have to decide what kind of character you want to play race alignment class all that kind of stuff and a lot of people have a lot of fun designing characters that might not ever ever play and just think like this is an interesting character um so there's those two. And then kind of like beyond that, almost everything else is more, I would call like more of a sandbox um, because it's up to you and your DM and your gaming group for kind of like what's going to happen for, you know, diplomacy, for, you know, talking to random people to talk because there's no the rules around that are very vague and they need to be. Because, you know, lots of different things can happen. So even though that it's a game, I would call this, and it's fun, I'd call it that more of a sandbox. Maybe not so much of a game loop. So the question I'm going to ask, and this is essentially going back to board games, and specifically dungeon crawls. If... Because, sorry, I just thought of something. Because, you know, let's say, you know, you're talking to someone, right? You're talking to an NPC, there's no like maybe inherent game there that you're talking there there's like you know it's, it's like it is conversation gamified like prob- probably not it's it's role playing is what it is it's yes. a role it's role playing game so you're playing a role you're both playing a role to you know figure something out to do something to you know get information whatever it is that you're trying to do but it's not 
I wouldn't call it, I wouldn't say it has a game loop. Yeah. I would say it's the glue that glues game the game loop the the mechanic of <laughs> combat together. Yeah. Because so there are many um Bard's Tale just recently came out and it's an essentially panned um I have it it's big box it's sitting on my floor. I was really hoping that it'd be amazing. And the reason I hoped it was amazing is because the Kickstarter was highlighting a whole bunch of aspects of D&D and character creation and combat that I really, really enjoy about D&D. The problem is, this particular game, while it does have all of those aspects in it, it's so repetitive because the game loop just keeps happening one after another, after another, after another. It's flip a tile, put monsters on there, kill the monsters. Flip a tile, put monsters on there, kill the monsters. It's just done so often, so much over and over and over that it becomes tedious. It's not fun anymore. D&D, when we play in D&D, we may have all night and play one combat, but it's one combat. If we just did, okay, we finished a combat, now we're going to start the next one. And now we're going to start the next one. And now we're going to start with no reason between them. And it was essentially just, you know, new stats on the table. I think we'd all lose interest in that very, very quickly. And that's another, like, game loops can be very simple, but they have to be compelling. There has to be a reason why you want to engage with them. And I think D&D and a lot of dungeon crawls, uh, well, a lot of dungeon crawls, they forget that, hey, it's not, the combat, yes, that combat is where most people spend their time in a role-playing game. Um not universally, but just in general, D&D is a combat game. You're going to spend a lot of time in combat. But if you're making a role-playing game, your combat can't just be roll a dice, see what happens. You will lose interest in that. Gloomhaven, the reason why that game is so compelling is because the gameplay loop is so compelling. It's not that you're just, I mean, it's quite tedious to manage this game and you're killing monsters and, the same, you know, <laughs> it's just stats on the board. But the actual choice and how you're working together and... And the mechanics of the combat system itself, that's the part that makes you want to keep going back. And I don't care about the story in Gloomhaven, but I love playing the game because I have interesting choices every time I have to murder the next flying fire demon. That's my soapbox on on, on dungeon crawls. Thank you Be for coming better. to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we've kind of alluded to this multiple times, but why does it matter? Why Why is the game loop... Um, so important. Like, what it's makes the meat what, in the game sandwich? It's the uh-huh. meat in the game sandwich. <laughs> Can we say and and is it where the fun is in the game? Um, hopefully, the fun can be in other places too. I was gonna game, say, <laughs> yeah. If your game loop isn't fun, then there's a good chance that the game isn't fun. That is 100% what I was going to say. Stole the words out of my mouth. It, the game loop doesn't have to be the only part that's fun, but if the game loop isn't fun, the game won't be fun. I'm trying to think of an example where that's not true, but I really can't. Even in a, in a micro decision. So for Next Station London, um, again, a game that I don't know that a lot of people have played. You should. It's great. It's a roll and write, though, so I get it. It's more of a flip and write. But in any case, in that game... On your turn, a symbol is flipped up, one of five symbols, and mm-hmm. or one of four symbols. Um, and your decision is drawing a line from one of two dots, sometimes three dots, to that matching symbol. 
Now, if I say mm-hmm. that to you, that does not sound all that entertaining. But every yet- single time you make that decision, <laughs> it is a meaningful and excruciating decision to make. Almost every time. Mm-hmm. There are times where it's like, okay, I only have this option. But even then, you have the option of not drawing a line at all. And yep. sometimes that's the right decision to make. And even though that loop is simple and that decision is a single line to be drawn, it still is compelling and it's fun and it's interesting. And I use fun to define fun, but it's interesting. It's interesting and meaningful. And I think that by itself can derive fun for some people. And it's also why some people don't find certain games fun. If you don't find a certain decision you're making in a loop interesting, then you're not going to find that game fun. And different people's interest levels are in different places. So this is how we, why we can say, hey, the crew is the most fun game ever. Another can be like, no, it isn't. It's boring. <laughs> you're playing colored numbers. And, I, and both <laughs> sides are right, right? I don't know. The game loop. I like it. I don't know. Next week, we'll talk about... No, I was going to try to figure... Oh, maybe we'll talk about um, scoring and scores. Or maybe we'll just talk about poker. We've been needing to talk about poker for a while. Kitty's like, no. I thought we <laughs> I did. Poker. <laughs> We've never talked about poker. We've only talked about it... Talked about talking about poker. We've talked about deck of cards twice. I feel like we've talked about talking about poker so many times my brain was like we must have just already done it yeah but we didn't (laughs) all right so that fletcher can go and do his real job we are (laughs) at 10 o'clock at night on a monday um we are going to go to the credits and then um we are going to talk about fantasy football after the credits and so if you're interested in whether or not kitty won or lost you'll just have to wait and find out in the meantime kitty Tabletop Game Talk is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. You can be part of our live recordings Monday nights at 8.30 Central. Join our Discord to continue the conversation. It is where you can join us and other listeners in a constant stream of games online on Board Game Arena. The show notes have all the links you need, and you can always go to tabletopgametalk.com for more information and to search our growing archive of episodes. Hosting feeds and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, Gifted Games, Sahara Wentworth... Listener Doug, Jason Strong, John Lewis, Joe Hoover, Danita Hersey, Jim Conrad, Lightning Steve, Gary Bunker, Peter Fleming, Andrew Fayash, John Williams, Sir Sully, Matthew Droke, Jimothy, Paul Romer, Nicholas Lotz. Lots. Man, it's hard to talk with these things in my mouth. Weatherman <laughs> Keith, Joe Punman, Leanne Verholst, Stephen Judd, Marina Stevens, Ben Gary, Sean Peck, Michael Yanikowski, Michael Yanikowski Jeremy Fisher, Christopher Dog, Terrence Miltner, Richard Jossi, Token Fan Forever, Michael, Michael Finley, Stephen Falcon, Joe Romero, David Radke, Brian Arnold, Courtney Falk, Ryan Ellett, Dan C., Darren McClellan, David Garner, Tony Simpkins, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, Agnes Toth, Ron Nelson, Aaron Moore, Don Gilstrap, Glenn Cotter, Eric Salander, Adrian Dong, Eric Huffman, Jason Rodney, Justin Willer, Jerry Wong, Sean P. Kelly, Christy Keel, Monica Witchman, and Michael27. So before I do my part, um... <laughs> your inability to speak, by the way, as Invisalign, if you missed last week's uh, episode. Um, we used yes. to do, we had a, I don't know, a few months where we would have people send in their readings of the credits. And there were a few of them where they would take probably three to four minutes to read the entire credits. Um, I may have pre-processed those to strip out all silences and actually speed up their voice as they were reading them because... 
Yeah, sometimes you just want to speed that up a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you to everyone who's ever been a patron. Reading your names is one of the most funnest parts of the show for me to listen to. Um, Until next week, keep playing games and having fun. So this is where I would um, normally, if I was an actual good podcast editor, producer, whatever I am, I would take the part where Zachary came in and like put it post credits as an after thing. But I'm not going to do that. I just want to let everyone know that take this segment here out, put Zachary coming in, in, and then I would ask, so Kitty, I know the answer to this already. How did your fantasy football team do? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I won both of my leagues this week, so I've lost both, won both, lost both, and won both. I am now two and two in both my leagues, and I don't know how I feel about it. <sighs> Fletcher, we need to get you into fantasy football. Maybe next year. All right.